This is going to be very uh, different tonight. Uh, our Focus 52 chapter this week is in the book of Haggai. And uh, it's a short book. Kind of, uh, kind of one of the, the lesser known about prophets. But I want to deal more with the principle that Haggai is, is trying to convey so we're going to begin tonight by reading from uh, Haggai 1, chapter 1, and uh, verses 5 and 6, which is our focus verses for this week. And then I'm going to immediately uh, kind of move in a little of a different direction tonight. I'm not going to stay in this book for the whole night. I just want to deal with the principle. If you're ready for the reading of the word of the Lord, would you just say amen? Amen. Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 5. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. If you can be seated, thank you for standing. Do you know why the Lord would speak something like this to his people? He would speak something like this to his people because they quit putting him first. He said, as long as you're focused on you... And you're not focused on building my house. He said, you're always going to have clothes, but they're not going to be warm enough. You're going to have food, but it's not going to be enough. And everything you earn, you're going to put it in a pocket, in a bag that has holes in it. I just wonder tonight if there's anybody in this house that can testify to a fact that when you received understanding about seeking the kingdom of God first, it changed your life forever. It will change your life forever. It was in Matthew, the sixth chapter, that Jesus begins to roll through all of the things that concern all of us. What are you going to wear? What are you going to eat? Same thing that Haggai is dealing with. What are you going to do about your family? How are you going to do this? What's going to happen to you? And he stops and he puts on the brakes in the 33rd verse and he says, But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now, prosperity preachers love this because they run off with it. They run rampant with it. He does not insinuate, indicate whatsoever that if you seek first the kingdom of God, that you can have everything. The whole chapter is concerning the needs of humanity. What do you need? And I think this is where we kind of deviate from the path of righteousness with God. That's why we don't just seek first his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. What are the right things for me? What are the right things for me to seek? When do I become satisfied in knowing that I'm in the will of God? He said if you'll seek first his kingdom, then all of the things that you need will be added to you. Now, I'm going to teach you tonight, and I'm going to talk to you, but I want there to be two things that really stand out. There there are people that when they come to God, they don't understand the power of tithing and giving at all. I've had people look me in the eyes and say, Pastor, I don't make enough. I can't afford to tithe. When you understand first, you understand you can't afford to. Not to tithe. You can't afford not to give to God. And people look at tithing and they say, oh, well, that has to do with the law. It has, it has nothing to do with the law. It actually is connected all the way back to Genesis, to the first family. And we're going to touch on this tonight, but it's with Cain and Abel. There's something about God that he refuses to be second in anybody's life. And so this is not even about tithing. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God. It's about offering first unto God. So there are two things that I want to tell you. 
Some people don't know how to manage their finances, so they come to God, they start giving tithing, and by Malachi 3, God is bound to them, and he blesses them, and they still have nothing. That's not because God's not faithful. There are two things that will change the financial landscape of your life. Number one is seeking first the kingdom of God, and number two is management. Because God cannot continue to bless and you have increase in a place there is not order. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. If God is first in your life, everything else will come into order. That does not mean you won't have tribulation. It means you will have tribulation with order. It means that you won't be in tribulation by yourself. Is there anybody in here honest enough to say that before you came to the Lord, you had plenty of tribulation, some of it self-inflicted. But you had tribulation in your life. The difference in a believer and a non-believer is not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of chaos. It's the calm in the chaos. It's that peace that comes in the midst of confusion while the world's looking around saying, what in the world are we going to do? And people are looking at the stock market saying, what are we going to do? People that have sought first the kingdom of God say, I don't care what happens to the economy. I don't care what happens to Dow Jones. I don't care what the opening bell rings. I have sought first the kingdom of God, and God is going to take care of me, and God is going to take care of my family. If you believe that, say amen. This is not just about tithing. This is where people miss tithing. We can connect tithing in the New Testament. Yeah, we can. We absolutely can. We can take it to Melchizedek, Jesus Christ being a priest after the order of Melchizedek. We can draw all those connections, but I don't want to teach that tonight. I don't want to get into that. But this is where people get messed up. They say tithing is only an Old Testament uh, principle, and it's not. But the reason they can say that is because they have unhitched themselves from the Old Testament and they are New Testament believers only. I, however, choose to believe to be a 66-book believer. I believe if it's in this book, it's powerful, it's right, and it's in the Word, then we got to live it. If you believe that, say amen. God must be first in your life. That's the bottom line. If He's not first, He's last. Exodus, the 13th chapter. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me, what's this say right here? All the, all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. Verse 12. That thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling. Somebody say firstling. That comest of a beast which thou hast, the males. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break its neck. What is the Lord saying? If you don't redeem it, you lose it anyway. Now, I'm going to tell you all something I found out a long time ago. If I'm not faithful to God, somebody's going to get my tithe money. If I'm not faithful to God, it's going to go into a car engine. It's going to go into a brake job. Because God does not put up with being second in anybody's life. He said, if you don't redeem it, it's going to be lost anyway. You're going to break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. Now, here's the first principle I want to talk to you tonight about. The firstborn must be either sacrificed or redeemed. How do you know which to do? How do you know which one to sacrifice? And how do you know which one to redeem? Well, scripturally... If it's a clean animal, the firstborn had to be sacrificed. If it was unclean, it must redeem, be redeemed with a sacrifice of the clean. It was the clean that redeemed the unclean. So two questions for you. 
Were we born in our flesh clean or unclean? What's the Bible say? We were unclean. Parents, did you have to teach your kids to be bad? Did you ever have to teach your kids to lie? No? You never had to teach a kid at all to lie when their mouth was full of cookies and you knew they'd been in the cookie jar and the lid's off. And you walk in the room and say, you've been in the cookie? Mm. Because we are born unclean. Second question, was Jesus born clean or unclean? So the principle runs all throughout the scripture. The clean had to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean. The good news about putting God first is that he put us first. And it was the spotless lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world that redeemed this imperfect lamb that by all rights should have died and should not have been here and did not deserve his mercy. But it was the spotless lamb that redeemed us. Now we understand that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. But I want you to understand the principle behind this. Jesus did not come to this earth as God. He came to this earth as man. Now his nature is 100% God and 100% man. He is literally God manifest in the flesh. God became visible in the flesh, but he had to come as a man. Why did God choose to come as a man? Because Jesus is the tithing of heaven. What do you mean, pastor? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 says he is the image of the invisible God and he is the firstborn of every creature. In John 1 and 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The firstborn is what came to us as God manifest in the flesh, the clean Lamb. And he redeemed us. Are you thankful for redemption tonight? Now I want to tell you something, church family. I'm going to talk to you right here for just a minute. It takes faith to give the firstborn. Because if you give the firstborn, you don't know if there's going to be a secondborn. It's a difficult thing when you've invested your life in the family farm and the Lord said, the first lamb that you get, I want it. But Lord, that's why we invested. We invested in the farm so that we could have a mama and a daddy Lamb that would give a sheep that would give us a baby lamb. And now this is like, this is our future. This is what we're going to do. And the Lord said, but I want the first. But the Lord wants us to understand the power of first. God did not say in his word, let your you produce ten lambs first. And then give me the one that drives you crazy or the one that's your least favorite. Now I'm fixing to mess with you right here because I'm using numbers that are going to become familiar to you. The Lord didn't say, get ten of them and give me the one you don't like. He said, I want the first of the ten. Now I'm fixing to break this down to you and, 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 and hopefully this will change your life. I haven't taught this principle in several years, but I want to tell you there is a, a mistaken understanding and misnomer about tithing and giving to the Lord. God does not want 10% of your income. That is not anywhere in the scripture that God wants 10% of your income. God wants the first 10% of your increase. He is a God of first. God does not want us to... Harvest whatever we're going to harvest and pick what we don't want the most and give that to him. Somebody shout, God's not into leftovers. So here's what I want you to understand. It is not 10% of your income that activates the blessing of Malachi chapter 3. It is the first 10% of your giving that unlocks faith. Why do we believe that Jesus... Was the tithe of heaven? Well, because he was given first. The lamb slain from the foundation. 
What's this have to do with me, Pastor? It's the same exact principle I'm trying to get to you. Romans said it like this. Once you got all cleaned up and got everything together, then he loved you. Does that make me a false prophet? What did he say? While you were... While you were yet sinners. He didn't wait on you to straighten up. He didn't wait on you. He died first. He gave first. He loved first. He came first. And he put us first. From the foundation of the world. He was slain that our sins might be washed in scarlet red blood. And washed white as snow. If you're thankful for Calvary tonight, shout yes. So preachers preach about money all the time, Pastor. You know that, right? Not this preacher. Because there's so much more to first than money. And this is why people misunderstand tithe. The reason tithing is so hard is because it's in your, it's in your, your pocket. And it's that spirit of mammon that rests on it. I'm going to tell you all a little secret right here, and I mean this with all my heart. I've lived this. If God can get the checkbook of a man or a woman, he's got their heart. Give me Bible. Okay. Where your treasure is? That's in the Bible? If God can get a hold of our pocketbooks, he's already got our heart. Because it doesn't matter. So was it really just about money or was it a principle from Genesis to Revelation that we see time after time after time? When the children of Israel were coming into the promised land, I preached on this, I think it was here, I preached on this just a few weeks ago about Jericho. They cross the river and they come to Jericho. The angel's standing there, right? And the Lord said to them, he said, when you take Jericho, he said, all the gold and the silver of Jericho, bring it into the house of God because that's where the first always goes it don't go to the TV preacher come on somebody somebody said well I've been blessing the TV preacher with my tithe well that TV preacher needs to pray for you when you're sick I believe with all my heart this is just my, the way I was raised and the way I believe you sow into the trough that feeds you. The Lord said, I want all the gold and the silver into the house of God. Why did the Lord not say, I want 10% of Jericho? Anybody know? Because Jericho was the first of 10 cities. Jericho was the tithe of the conqueror that was to come. God said, I'm going to give you Jericho. Now, his word was, from the beginning, I'm going to give you the Am Amalekites, the Perizzites, the, he goes, the uh, Jebusites. He goes all the way through it. There's going to be ten cities that are going to be conquered. But they don't understand. Listen, when you've marched for seven days, been quiet, been through hell and high water, seen all kinds of crazy stuff happen, and God gives you the city, and then God says, I want all of it. Well, how fair is that? And the only question that comes back from heaven is, how much do you want to conquer? You know what I believe? I believe if the children of Israel would have denied God all the gold and the silver of Jericho, they would have lived in Jericho, and that's it. Because oftentimes, the blessings of God quit flowing where we close off our hand and say, okay, God, that blessing is good enough for me. Now, if you're taking notes tonight, I want to tell you something. I've preached this all over the country. This is not just a money thing. I'm telling you, I've preached this around the country. I want everybody to hold your hand out right now. If what God puts in your hand is not enough to be your harvest, then it must be a seed. I want you to think about that. I've often prayed, and I know God wouldn't go against his nature anyway, but I prayed. Y'all, I don't know if you believe me or not. I'm telling you for real. I have prayed, God, do not let me get any more than you can trust me with. Because some people struggle with that. When they come to God and they're working for $500 a week, they write that $50 tithe check. 
But when that goes up to $5,000 a week, it gets a lot harder to write that. When you're writing $10,000 worth of tithe on $100,000 worth of income, and you look back on that, the enemy starts messing with your mind. Where'd that $10,000 go? Woo! And it gets tough. And people wrestle with things. Do I tithe on the gross or the net? Or what do I tithe on? You tithe on first. Because God wants the first. He said, if you give Jericho back to me, I'll bless the rest of your journey. The first part, the first portion is the redemptive portion. And when you give God the first portion, then the rest is redeemed. That's what this book says. So what I'm saying to you when I get up here and say, I'd rather live on 90% blessed than I would 100% curse. What I'm saying to you is, if I'll give God the first of my life, he'll redeem the rest of it. Now, we live in a world that has made first fruits kind of technical. I'm going to be honest with you. I have not received a paycheck from this church in 20 years because it's direct deposited. I have not seen a check from this church in 20 years because they put it right into my bank. But the government gets a little piece of that before my bank account gets a piece of it. So you know what I do? Before the check is sent to our accountant, I have told the church secretary, I want 10% taken out before you even send it over there because I don't want to live cursed. I want to give God 10%, but not just any 10%. I want to give him the first 10%. And before anybody, the mortgage company, I have never sent a check to the mortgage company. Isn't that crazy? We wonder why everything's so jacked up. Everybody's got access to our bank account. Pay your car payment. Like, you don't even pay your car payment. They go, whoop. Your paycheck goes in. The next morning, you get on check your account. It's like, oh, my God, where'd it go? It's expensive to live. It's expensive to raise Children, it's expensive to pay house payments. All of that's expensive. But I don't ever worry about it because the first fruit of that that's increasing my life, God gets the first of it. And I want to tell y'all something about this preacher right now. I have never had to beg God for a meal. I have never had to beg God for fuel in my car. Never. I've never had a time in my life that I had to go bump some money off somebody to go buy bread. Never. That's because you're a rich, full brat. That's true. When my mom and dad quit their jobs and we went on the evangelistic field for five years, the first year we went on the field, they made $15,000 for a family of four. We lived in a 35-foot fifth wheel, 35 feet long, 8 feet wide. We have a 1979 F-250 that was, a, that was in 1985. So I'm just telling you, I watched my mom and dad go from making good money. We had a house, had three cars in the driveway. One of them was brand spanking new. Quit everything they had. We went on the road, started traveling. My mother and dad lived on $15,000. And we ate out when we needed to eat out. And God put us with pastors that bought us food and took care of us. Brother Bingham, never one time did we hesitate to say, God has been good to our family. That doesn't mean you don't have to work for it. That doesn't mean you're not going to strive for it. But I told you two things. Put him first and learn to manage. If your month continues to be more than your money, it's not God's fault. Something's got to give. And maybe the thing that you're holding on to that's draining you so bad is part of what God wanted from you anyway. Say, okay, God, I'll give that to you, and then let's see what you'll do. How many of you believe it? So we give our first fruits to the Lord. Now, 
Second point I'm going to make to you tonight, the first fruit. Somebody say, must be. It must be offered. It cannot be taken. It must be offered. Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. 21st century way of saying this would be bonuses. Now this is not Pentecostal rhetoric. This is the word of God. Verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Folks, this is Proverbs. This is not law. This is not law by tithing. This has nothing to do with the Mosaic law. It is a God principle that is peppered throughout his word. He said, honor the Lord with your substance, with your first fruit of increase, and your barns are going to be full, and your presses are going to burst out with new wine. Now that right there would make a TBN convention stand on their head and run laps. Because they love prosperity. But when you fall in love with him and he's first in your life, you feel like you've prospered even if you take a hit on your paycheck. By the way, I had a precious woman in this church tonight tell me, she said, Pastor, I want to give you a testimony about the prayer, the offering prayer we've been praying. She said, I've been having to work three jobs to make ends meet. And she said, today she got a job that's going to allow her to quit all three jobs and make more than she was making in all three jobs. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hey, I'm, I'm just here to tell you tonight. David wasn't off track when he said, I was young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen him begging bread. You can take God at his word, and it works. Somebody shout, not law, principle. Exodus 23 and 19. The first of the first Fruits. Now it's really getting nitty gritty. Have I walked out of the word yet? The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the bank, the mortgage company, the house of the Lord. Thou shalt not see see the kid in its mother's milk. So your first must come to God. But there is a reason why the Lord in this verse uses the word thou shalt bring. He uses the word bring. Because you cannot give. What does not belong to you. I bring my first to God. I don't give. My first to God. Oh boy. A little tied up in here on that. What do you mean it don't belong to me? I'm telling you right now folks. That'll be the greatest revelation that ever comes in your life. When I walk in my house, I have the word of God on the doorway of my house. When I walk in, I kiss, I kiss the word of God. Lord, this is the house that you've given us. These are the cars that you've blessed us with. This is the fuel that you've put in my tank. This is the bread that you put on my table. Everything I have, God, it's yours. Well, I'm the one that makes a payment on it. Are you really? Who gave you that job? Who's kept you in that job? Who's blessed you in that job? While there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the good old U.S. of A. right now that don't have a job, God's been good to his people. Now, I need everybody just put your seatbelt on right here because I'm fixing to go pastor mode on you. It's fixing to get tight and it's fixing to get stiff. But you got one of two options when it comes to giving your first to the kingdom of God. Are you ready? Everybody's seatbelts on? Everybody put your, your, your spitball Straw away, right? No rotten tomatoes? 
I'm going to tell you what the scripture said, not what pastor said. I'm going to teach the word. We're going to break it down Gerber style. You're going to digest it. It's right here in your heart. In your heart. I'm going to tell you what this book says. You've got two choices with first. You either bring it or you steal it. <laughs> Where's my amens at? You either bring it or you steal it. Prove it, Pastor. Okay, I will. God said I want all the gold and silver of Jericho. But one guy said, oh, I think I'll keep a wedge of gold. I want it all but the wedge. He said, I want it all. And Achan said, oh, I think I'll just keep one wedge. And I won't even let anybody know about it. I'm going to put it in my IRA and God will never know. And he took that wedge of gold. And he hid it in his tent. With a Babylonian garment. And they got to the next city. And the men of God said, what in the world is going on? We are victorious people. And the hand of God is upon us. And we are being destroyed by these people. What in the world is going on? And the voice of God thundered out through a prophetic voice and said, there's sin in the camp. Sin? What do you mean there's sin? Who's committing adultery? Nobody. Somebody killed their brother? Nope. Nobody's killed anybody. What would be the sin that's keeping us from winning the battle? And the Lord said, it's the one thing that's been held back from what I asked from you. Now, church, I don't want this to come across too strong. I don't believe in fear mongering people into giving God first. It's a love principle. You're going to fall in love with him or you don't. You can't scare people into giving. You can't shout them into giving. You can't do it, period. I'm going to tell you. If this story doesn't prove anything to me about being faithful to God, it's this, this right here. Achan was not the only one that paid the price for his selfishness. When he got stoned, and I'm not talking about on Mary Jane. I'm talking about the real deal. When he got stoned, his wife got stoned, his kids got stoned, his cattle got stoned. They were all dying. And it, it's... His little kids looking up at him with blood rolling down their face. Daddy, what do we do? What's going on? Baby, the only thing I can tell you is I stole from God. I took what belonged to God when we should have brought it to the house of God. In Joshua 6, God calls that tithe, that first fruit. God calls it consecrated. In Joshua 7, after Achan takes what isn't his, God said, Israel has stolen from me what is mine, and they are cursed. How do cursed and consecrated end up in the same story? It's simple. When you take what belongs to God and act like it's yours, it's cursed. Now, before we jump all out here and start squeezing on our pocketbooks, I want to tell you, a lot of us are guilt, as guilty about our time as we are our finances. If we're waiting to come home and talk to God when we're wore out and spent and we've worked all day long and we got no energy left, that is not your first. When you set up off that bed, there ought to be something that comes up out of your mouth that says, God, I thank you. I thank you for another day. I thank you for health and life and strength. I thank you. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because here is what I don't ever want to get caught in. I don't want to fail to give God my best right now that the latter end of me would be cursed. Now here's exactly what the scripture says. If you read this in context. The thing that separated the cursed and the consecrated. That if it was brought to the house of the Lord, it was consecrated. But if you left it in your own tent, 
It's cursed. I'm going to ask you a question tonight, and you, only you can answer this in your own heart, okay? You don't have to blink. You don't have to look at anybody. You don't have to give the Baptist head nod nothing. I want to ask you a sincere question from the heart of your pastor, and I believe from the heart of this word. Why would you want anything in your bank account that's cursed? Amen. I'm just, it's, it's a legitimate question. Why would you want anything in your life that's cursed? Now, I know there's some people in here that's heard about voodoo and witchcraft and all that other stuff. And when people talk about, oh, yeah, they got a curse on them. Ooh, stay away from them. Until it comes to our own world. Anything that's cursed, we don't want anything to do with until it's something that we long for and we refuse to relinquish to God. Did that just get real? It takes faith to give the first. It takes faith to give the first from that widow, that what we call in America that fixed income, which means it's not going to get any better. It's fixed. It takes faith to give that first because then you're saying, but God, where's the rest go? You know what? I'm going to tell you all something about this church. And I can't really talk about it without crying. I've watched women... Work waiting tables, stick dollar bills in their pockets, get food all over their clothes, be war slap out. When they come to church on Sunday, they take the first of that and they give it to God. I've seen men sling hammers and work out in the hot sun and wear themselves out. I've seen people financial troubles you can count on it I don't mean this statement ugly you can count on this in your own life but you often find out it's the people that have the least that are always faithful to give the most and they always give to God and they're always faithful because they've learned to be content in knowing that they're in the will of God and I have watched God take the limited incomes of widows and orphans and Broken people, Brother Lang has said on many occasions that one of the hardest things he ever had to teach in a third world country was tithing. Am I telling the truth? Brother Lang, how much would the average person you pastored in India work for for a week? A dollar or two per day. Seven to fourteen dollars a week. And you're going to look at that person and say, bring that to God. You're selfish, preacher. Oh, no, no. You're selfish if you don't let that person know it don't always have to be this way because God will take care of you. It takes faith to give that first 10% to believe God that the 90% is going to go further than your 100% has ever gone. Now, I'm going to get real with you right here. Genesis 4 and 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offered unto the Lord. He brought fruit. God made the fruit. It was a harvest that God gave him. But let's see about the language. And Abel, he also brought of the what? Oh, did, did I miss something in verse 3? Where does it say that Cain brought the first fruit? It doesn't. It said that Cain brought the fruit, but Abel brought the firstling. And we look at that and say, oh, the reason God didn't accept is because God wanted blood. God didn't care as much about blood as he did first. Abel. Brought unto the Lord the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And this is a powerful word in your King James Scripture. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. Verse 5. But unto Cain. Not just Cain, folks. 
and his offering. God had not respect. And it made Cain mad. So mad that he killed his own brother. Because he was mad at God for staying true to his word. I don't know how else to break this down. Please don't think I'm being ugly. But I just want to tell you, don't ever look at people that are faithful to God and look at them with disdain and disgust because you're ticked off at the blessings of God in their life. All they did was take God at His word. Let me tell it to you like this, folks. Haters are going to hate. They're always going to hate. But when you've been faithful to God and God has been faithful to you, the world's going to look at you and say, oh, you think you're all that. No, I don't think I'm all that. I know I'm blessed of God because I sought God first. So the question is asked, well, then why wouldn't God accept Cain's? It's not that he wouldn't. It's that he couldn't. Everybody okay? I'm not putting you to sleep, am I? It's not that he wouldn't, it's that he couldn't. We sing, God, you can do anything but fail. That's, that's kind of true, but it's not true. Because there are some things outside of the will of God that he just cannot do. God cannot act outside of himself. He cannot act outside of his word. He cannot act outside of his character. God cannot change. Somebody say, he can't change. It's the immutability of God. He cannot change. If God could change, then God could get better. But God can't get better because He's best. There's no reason for God to change when He's perfect. God can't change. God can't think. Somebody say He can't think. He don't think the way we think. There is a mind of God but he doesn't use it to sit up on the edge of his bed. You've heard me say this before. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? Like nothing dawns on God. God doesn't just sit up on the edge of his bed and scratch his head and say, Oh me, what am I going to do? You know? Like we're like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And he's like, Oh myself. I'm in trouble. What are we going to do? Oh, what am I going to do? These people are taking me at my word. It activates God. It activates God. He doesn't have to think about it. Nothing ever occurs to God. He doesn't have to change his mind on whether or not he's going to be good to you. If you are a child of God and you're seeking first the kingdom of God, it is impossible to not be blessed. The third thing he cannot do is he cannot be second. Because the scripture said that he is preeminent in all things. You know what preeminence means? If I could break it down for you, it doesn't just mean that he's first of all. It means that he's above all. He is first and he is above. Now, I'm going to break this down for your soul right now. Even if he is not first in your life, he is still first. He doesn't have to be first in my life to be first. He is still first. And I don't have to be good to God for God to be good. God is going to be good regardless. He is always good. And my goodness or the lack thereof does not change the goodness of God. I'm telling you, the reason that God could not accept Cain's offering is because God cannot be second and he cannot take second. It is outside of his character and it is outside his word. And we need to think about that when it comes to the blessings and the favor of God in our lives. Let every breath I breathe be God's, but for sure, let the first breath that I breathe every day in my cognizance bring glory to God. The, the, the principle of first fruits, tithing, it's close to the heart of God. That's why he died first. That's exactly why he died first. Before he even knew that I would love him. Now this is a little principle if you're taking notes that you need to make note of right here. Whatever your first 10% goes to, that is what and who is first in your life. Amen. 
Whatever your first fruit goes to, that is what and who is first in your life. It must be first. I'm hurrying. Leviticus 27 and 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree. What's that say right there? It's the Lord's. And all this time, people said, I gave money to that church. I gave money to that preacher. No, you didn't. I don't care if the pastor ran off in the last church you went to, ran off and bought a Rolls Royce and broke the church and stole all the money. You know what? you got to let God deal with that man. It don't matter. It don't, men, men are corrupted. Men make mistakes. I thank God that for the 53, 54 years that my family has been in this church, not one time has there ever been a mark against the finances of this church because God has kept his hand on this church. But you cannot hold God accountable for what men do. You don't give your first fruit to a church. You bring it to the house of God because it belongs to the Lord. If you believe that, say amen. amen. If I've got $1,000, I've got 10 $100 bills in my hand. That'd feel good, wouldn't it? Just imagine that right now, would you? Like the crisp ones that you just picked up from the bank. I like those. They make noise when you touch them. I got 10 $100 bills. Which one of those go to God? The first one. God don't get my leftovers. He don't accept my leftovers. He don't deserve my leftovers. Now this is the last thing that I'm going to deal with tonight. One of the greatest gifts you'll ever give to your children and to young people is to pass this down. Why? Now, it's hard for me to teach this part right here without just preaching the hawk out of it. Exodus 13, verse 14. And it shall be. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this? That thou shalt say unto him, By strength of hand, or with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn of the land, both the firstborn of man, the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix being male, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. The Lord is instructing the Israelites, pass this down to your children. And when they say, hey, why do we give God the first? Why do we sacrifice the firstborn lamb, you can sit that child down on your knee and say, baby, the reason we give God first is because with a mighty hand, he has brought us out. I was a slave. I was a mess. We were in bondage. But when God brought us out, he made a difference in us. You see that man laying right there? That came from God. You see this tent right here? It came from God. You see everything we got? It came from God. We were in bondage, but we're free and that is why if you stand with me we gladly give him the first of our increase every time I bring my first to God I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this or not but every time I bring my first to God I am testifying to him I am no longer a slave. And people thought it was just about that church over there. Wanting your tithe. I'm going to be honest with you folks. I don't want your tithe. Because it's not mine. It's God's. It does pay light bills. And it does pay my bills. And it does take care of... Uh, the parking lot when it needs shoveled and all. Yeah, it does take care of what's going on. But when that leaves your hand, that, that, that's not mine. 
That's not this church's. You have brought it to the house of the Lord because it is God's. My kids are funny. They don't get a dollar bill from somebody without saying, Hey, Dad, can you break this dollar bill? I need a dime. Well, you need a dime for it, baby, because I owe tithes. You owe tithes. Yeah, somebody gave me a dollar, Dad. I want to give back to the Lord. You know why I make sure they have that dime? Because when they're paying on $1,000 and $5,000 and $100,000, I want to look at them and say, the only reason you've got what you have is because God has been good to you and he brought your family out. We could be lost tonight, girls. We could be undone tonight, girls. We could be turned inside out. I could be a drug addict. I could be a whoremonger. Your mom could be lost. Your mom, we could be doing all kinds of things, but God brought us out. Sunday school teachers, don't you ever, ever, ever feel bad about telling the, the kids in your class. Yes. We give our first fruits to God. Well, pastor, what if their parents don't? Teach it to them. Right. Uh-oh. I don't want the kids being cursed. Teach it to them. Maybe someday they'll look back and say, Dad, didn't God bring you out? Because he sure brought me out. I'm thankful for the revelation. The prophet Haggai, where we started tonight, he said, you've reaped and it's not working. And you keep putting everything you earn in bags that have holes in it. What is the problem? He said, get the house of God built. Seek first the kingdom. Make it your priority. Let's seek God. Do you want to know what I believe has kept your finances safe during a pandemic? People can say whatever they want. Yeah, it's because I got a good, secure job. Okay, I'll go down that road with you. I'm going to tell you the reason why this church has been blessed during pandemic is because there's a lot of people in this room tonight that understand first. Yes, sir. You understand first. And God has been good to you, and God has kept you. God's been good. How many of you have received a promotion during pandemic? Yeah? How many of you got a raise during pandemic? How many of you got a whole new job during pandemic? What's wrong with this world? Because we're not governed by this world. Let's give God thanks tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we honor you and love you and thank you for your precious.